So we were talking in the book of Genesis a couple weeks ago for the past few months, and we finished Genesis and are now in the book of Exodus. Everybody say Exodus. And so now we're talking about a character, Moses. Everybody say Moses. So here's where we are in the story. If, you know, if you're watching your favorite TV show, they go, previously on The Flash, or they go, previously on the show. Well, we're going to do this, uh, previously on the book of Exodus. Here's what's been happening in the book of Exodus, all right? We picked up in the story, and God's chosen people, the Israelites, have been living in the land of uh, Egypt. And as they've been living in that land, they have grown and grown in numbers to where now there are two million people living in the land of Egypt. And as they've been living in this land of Egypt, they've grown so much that Pharaoh, who is the king of the Egyptians, of that kingdom, has looked at them, and he's actually gotten to a point where he looked at them as a threat. So much so he looks at them and he goes, I'm going to enslave these people because I'm afraid of them. I'm going to oppress them. He's forced them to build the pyramids and he has enslaved them as a people group. God has looked at them and he says, I want to free these people from slavery, and I want to draw them into freedom and give them a new land, a new nation, and uh, make them free. And he has chosen, last week we talked about a leader for these people, someone to draw them into freedom. And the person that he has chosen is named Moses. Now we talked a little bit about his background story here about how Moses grew up, actually, uh, in the household, which was kind of a plot twist, in the household of Pharaoh. He actually grew up being adopted by Egyptians, none other than Pharaoh's do- uh, <coughs> excuse me, by Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up in the, in the household of Pharaoh. But because he actually uh, rebelled against Pharaoh in a way, and he killed someone who was uh, attacking an Israelite, He ran into the wilderness to hide uh, as a fugitive. Now, what we talked about last week was when God called Moses into a service. Moses was hiding in the wilderness. He was being a shepherd. He had started his life over far from Egypt. And God came to him and he said, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to boldly stand before him and say, I want you to let the people of God go and command them to be free. And Moses said, I can't do that. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not big enough. That's too big of a task for me. Choose somebody else. He doubted himself. And remember, if you were here last week, God looked at him and said, Moses, I've chosen you. I will be with you wherever you go. Believe in me. Trust in me that I will be with you wherever you go. And we talked last week about not doubting what God can accomplish in us if he is with us, beside us, wherever we go. Trust in God's plan. If he is with us and if he has called us to us, called us to it, he can accomplish it through us. So this week is an action-packed week. I'm super excited to get in this story because it is action-packed. Everybody go, boom. No, no, you don't say, you don't say boom, okay? That's not action-packed, okay? You go, boom. Everybody go, boom. boom. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, okay? So, everybody buckle your seatbelts. Buckle your seatbelts, okay? Get ready for action. Here we go. Uh, chapter 5, Moses has agreed to go on this mission to stand before Pharaoh and to demand that Pharaoh let the people of Israel go. So, he's trying to free 2 million people from slavery Pharaoh, who is the king of the Egyptians, has an army at his disposable, 
uh, not disposable, at his disposal. He has literally guards in his palace. He is standing in probably the most powerful position on the planet at the time. And in walks in this smelly shepherd with a stick and his brother Aaron. So the two of them walk into the presence of Pharaoh. Let's listen to the showdown here in chapter 5, verse 1. So for effect, um, I'm using this microphone whenever uh, I read because it has these really cool sound effects. So I did it in the last service and it's fun. So just bear with me here. Chapter 5, verse 1. Read along with me. Okay? It says this. After this presentation to the Israelite leaders, Moses and Aaron went to speak to Pharaoh. They told him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Israelites, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival in honor in the wilderness. Is that so, retorted Pharaoh? And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let the Israelites go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. 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 End scene. Sorry, I love that microphone. I love that microphone. I just want, I want to like say everyday things with this, like, do you want fries with that? Like epic everyday things, like just in everyday life. I don't know why, but all right. So basically they had this showdown where Moses walks in uh, with Aaron and they get before Pharaoh. Pharaoh's there dramatically sitting on the throne in all of his Egyptianness, And he's standing there with all of his guards. And in walks in Moses and he stands before Pharaoh and Aaron's with him. And they say, let the people of God go. Let these two million people go. And Pharaoh looks at him. And he goes, you're talking to me about this God. Okay, you're talking to me about this God. How your God is commanding that this should happen. But who is this God that you're talking about? Why should I listen to this God? Why should I listen to you? Why should I care what he's telling, saying to me? Now let's back up here a little bit. Everybody say back up. Let's back up here a little bit, okay? And understand what he's talking about, okay? The Egyptians at that time did not believe in one God. They believed in many gods. They believed in a whole bunch of gods. They would pray to a God of the sun. They would pray to many different gods of the river. They would pray to gods of the wind. They would pray to gods of literally the cows. They had gods of the cows that they prayed to. They would pray to gods of birth. They would pray to so many different gods, okay? And they also believed that Pharaoh was a god. They literally believed that Pharaoh himself was a god, and they worshipped him and even prayed to him as such. So Pharaoh is sitting there on the throne, believing that there are many different gods in, the, in Egypt, okay, that they worship, many different deities, and he literally is sitting there on the throne believing, I am a god, okay? And in walks in this smelly shepherd with a stick, and he walks in and he goes, hey, let these two million people go. My god says you have to. And Pharaoh looks at him and goes, excuse me, uh, who you think you is, okay? And who you think you talk to, okay? I is Pharaoh, okay? I'm kind of a big deal around here. 
I have this army over here, and they hurt people, okay? And they're really good at it. Actually, they're the best on the planet, okay? I have this nation over here, the most powerful nation in the world, okay? And I am actually a god. People worship me on the regular, okay? Um, I don't know how great your God is. He can't be that great because you smell terrible, okay? And so your God can't be that great, and he's not as good as me, okay? Also, um, why should I listen to you? We have all of these Egyptian gods. I am a God, and you're going to have the audacity to come in here and command me what to do? No. No, I'm sorry. I am not going to let your people go. In fact, and Pharaoh would go on, Here's what I am going to do. And he calls in the slave drivers. And he goes, guards, come here. Go to the the Israelites. And I want you to double their workload. I want you to take their work. And I want you to make it even harder for them to do their work. I want you to make it harder for them to get straw. And I want you to double their workload that they have to do. Make it even more painful for them. So that they know who is their master. They know who is their God. I am. Everybody go, uh-oh. Yeah, this is not good, okay? This probably didn't go the way Moses thought. He's like, I'm going to go in here, and I'm going to like, let my people go. And Pharaoh will be like, oh, no, please. And then, you know, this will be great. This probably didn't go maybe the way Moses thought right away, okay? So Moses leaves. All the Israelite leaders are like, way to go, Moses. You came in here, told us you're going to let everybody go, and this happened. Like, you made our lives worse. Way to go, dude. But he still trusts in God, and God has a plan. You see, God wanted everyone to know something very important. That there is one God. Not many gods. There is one God. And those who trust in this one God will be saved and will prosper. And those who not, do not trust in this one God, those who trust in other gods, will be brought to ruin and will be destroyed and will pay a penalty for not trusting in him. Let me explain. Let's keep going here in the story. So what happens is this. Because Pharaoh does not trust in the one true God, and because he trusts in other gods and in himself, here's what happens. Moses said, all right, because you disobey God, because you rejected him, because you have not put your faith in him, there are going to be consequences for your actions. And because you have not let the people go, there will be consequences. So ten plagues befall Egypt. And I won't lie to you, they're kind of fun to read about. Is it wrong that I like reading about plagues that destroyed Egypt? Is that bad? Kind of, maybe. It's kind of fun to read about. Okay, they're kind of entertaining. So let me read to you these plagues, okay, that happened. And buckle your seatbelts because they're kind of fun. Okay, number one, first plague that took place, okay? Moses went to the Nile River and turned the Nile River, which was this huge river, he turned the water of the Nile River into blood. Everybody got ill. Yeah, he turned the Nile River into blood. Now, this is bad, one, because it's gross and disgusting. But two, the drinking water is now blood, okay? All the fish in the water are going to die because they can't breathe the blood. Uh, also, on top of that, they cannot now irrigate their crops, so their crops are going to begin to die. So, practically, this is a bad thing. So now Moses goes to Pharaoh, and he's like, Pharaoh, have you had enough? God's trying to prove himself to you. Are you going to listen to him? Let the people go. And Pharaoh looks at him and goes, no, I will not. Moses goes, okay. And so the plagues continue, one after another. But what I want you to understand is this. God is going to go through and he's going to continue to have these plagues hit Egypt. 
And with each one of these plagues, he's trying to persuade and push Egypt to see the calamity and the stupidity of their ways and trusting in their gods, but also the uh, stupidity and the, and the um, falsehood in not trusting in him. But what I also want you to see is this. Each one of these plagues is pointed at an Egyptian god. Let me explain, okay? I told you that the Egyptians have many different gods. They have a god of the sun. They have a god of the rivers. They have a god of the cattle. They literally have a god for everything, okay? And so each time that God brought a plague, here's what he was doing. He was saying to the Egyptians, you have a god, and you pray to that god, saying, help me, help me, help me. But I want you to see, you're praying to nothing. Your God cannot save you. Only I can save. Your God cannot help you. Only I can help. When the river was turned to blood, there were many different gods of the river that they prayed to, okay? The Egyptian gods of the river were Hippus, Orias, and Kamonas. So, no doubt, when the river turned to blood, they went and they played to Hippus and they played to Oramus. And they're like, oh, please, please turn the river back to water. And they prayed to these gods, but they prayed in vain. And though they prayed with all their might and they believed and they prayed, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how hard you believe in the wrong thing. It doesn't change that you believe in the wrong thing. And it doesn't matter how small your faith is if it's in the right thing, because it's in the right thing. Sometimes you might say, well, I have so small a faith in God. It doesn't matter because if it's in the right thing, then it is placed in the right thing. If you believe that the earth is round, it doesn't matter if you have a small amount of faith in the earth being round, it's still round. It doesn't matter if you believe with all your might that the earth is flat, it doesn't make it any more flat. So the Egyptians are sitting there and they're praying to these false gods, but these gods don't exist. And God is trying to show them, you're praying with all of your might, but you cannot change the river. Only I can change the river, for I am not just the God of the river. I am the God of all. And God would show that with the next plague. The next plague would be a God, and I think this one is hilarious, a, God, a plague of frogs. Okay, check this out. The Egyptians worshipped Frogs. Yeah, frogs, okay? And it was illegal for them to kill frogs because one of their gods had uh, a head of a frog, okay? So it was illegal to kill a frog because they considered them holy. So what did God do? He said, okay, I'm going to infest your houses with frogs, and you're not allowed to kill them. So under their beds and under their pillows and in all of their schools and everywhere were frogs, and they couldn't kill them. They couldn't get rid of them, okay? They had to just let them sit there. And then as they prayed for the frogs to go away, nothing happened. They just stayed there. And then simultaneously, all of their frogs died. So they have rotting corpses of frogs all over their houses and everything stank. Everybody go, ew. Yeah, ew, okay? So he's demonstrating your God of the frog is nothing and has no power and actually is a stench. It is nothing, okay? The next plague was a bunch of lice that ate their scalps. Everybody go, ew. Yeah, that's disgusting. Their next plague was a bunch of flies that got everywhere and in your nose and your eyes and just got irritating, okay? Their next plague was their cattle, which they needed for food and for milk and everything like that. They had a a god of the cattle, which they prayed to, which they believed had a head of an ox, okay? And they prayed to that. 
their cattle begin to die one by one. And they prayed to this God of the livestock, please don't let our livestock die. But their livestock begin to die one by one. God was saying, look, I'm not just the God of the river. I'm not just the God of the locust. I'm not just the God of the frog. I'm the God of everything. He continued. The next plague was uh, boils. They got sick and they had boils and nasty rashes all over their body. And so they prayed to a God of healing and they're like, please heal our bodies. And nothing healed their bodies. They could not heal no matter how much they prayed to these Egyptian gods. And then the next plague was hail from the sky and fireballs that came down from the sky. Now, I love this, okay? How is it that ice and fire could both fall from the sky? You'd think the fire would melt the ice or the ice would, you know, cool off the fire. I don't know. But massive balls of ice and massive big balls of fire rained down from the sky, crushing buildings, hitting people, hitting animals. It was literally chaos all over the Egyptian providence. And still, all this time, Moses is going to Pharaoh after each one of these plagues, saying, will you let the people go? Will you yield? And Pharaoh says, no. He's saying, no, I, I, don't, I don't believe in your God. Your God is not powerful. Your God is not strong. Our gods will save us. Turning his back, refusing to obey God at every step, refusing to put his faith into God. The next plague is locusts that devour all of the crops. And though they pray to the God of the crops, the God of the crops cannot save them. The next plague attacked the most powerful deity in the Egyptian, um, in the Egyptian religion. They believed in a God called Ra. Ra was the God of the sun. They believed him to be the Zeus, if you will, of their mythology, of their religion. He was the most powerful of all of their gods. And he controlled the sun. And so what did God do to demonstrate I am the true God? I am the only God. I am the one who has power over all of your gods. He blocked out the sun. Over the Egyptians, there was pitch black for days. The sun was covered up, not just over by a cloud, but there was literally absolute pitch black darkness over the Egyptians where they had no light at all and they could see nothing, not their hand in front of their face, though it was daytime. God was demonstrating, Ra has nothing on me. And though you might pray and cry out to him and worship and pray and beg him, you will see nothing. You will see nothing. Ra cannot save you. Ra cannot help you. He is not your salvation. On top of that, after all of this, the final plague was this. Because Pharaoh would not give in, he would have to pay a terrible price. The final plague would be that the firstborn son of every single Egyptian family would have to die. Would have to die. The firstborn son of every single family in the Egyptian providence would die. And we'll talk about Passover a little bit later. But all the firstborn sons, and I'm terrified by that because I'm a firstborn son. I'm like, oh, that's scary. That's me. Uh, But the firstborn son of every family would die. And it even harkens back to when Pharaoh would kill the youngest babies, the youngest baby boys of all of the Israelites to try and uh, stifle them out. But finally, after all of this, after his own son, Pharaoh's own uh, firstborn son dies, Moses comes to him and he says, take 
your two million slaves and get out. At this point, he doesn't let them go. He forces them out. He says, I am commanding you to get out of here. Leave this country and go. We want nothing to do with you. And the Israelites leave and are free. They leave the country and have freedom. We'll pick up there in the story, but here's what I want you to see. Okay, here's what I want you to see. I talk about this battle between God and the Egyptian gods, but really there is no battle because there are no Egyptian gods. There are no Greek gods. There are no other gods. There is but one God. God wanted something to be very clear to everyone, to the Egyptians and to the Israelites. Those who stand against God will pay the price. And those who stand with God will be saved. I want you to see something. While all of these plagues were falling on top of the heads of the Egyptians, while hail and fire were raining down on them, while their livestock was being destroyed, while their rivers were turning to blood, while boils were coming onto their skin, while their, while their firstborn sons were literally dying, and, and the sun was being blotted out from them, and they were in physical darkness. All the while, a few miles away, was where the Israelites lived. It was where the Israelites were encamped, the slave village. And the whole time that this was happening, during these days, the Israelites were protected. Not a single time were they afflicted. No hail or fire fell on their settlement. Their livestock were not affected. No boils came on their skin. Their sons were untouched. And while the Egyptians were in darkness day and night, the Israelites enjoyed the warmth in the day and light shone upon them. What is God doing here? He's showing this. When you worship these false gods and you cry out and you pray to these false gods, you will be left wanting. You will be left wanting. You cry out to these false things. They cannot save you. All they will do is hurt you. But when you pray and cry out to God Almighty, He will save you. Not only will He save you from punishment and destruction, no, much more than that. He will free you. He will bring you to a land where you will be free. You will be safe. The sun will shine upon you. You will be blessed. You will be provided for. We learn that we as Christians will enjoy the same. Now you might be like, well, on earth, things aren't perfect. You're right. But in heaven, check this out. For those of us that believe in Jesus Christ we will be saved from our sins only if we believe in Jesus Christ. No other God. If you believe in some Greek God or some Egyptian God or you believe in some other religion, no other religion, no other God, no other belief can save you. You cannot save yourself as Pharaoh believes, believing, no, no, I am good enough, I am enough to save myself. No, you're not. Pharaoh couldn't save himself just as much as he couldn't save his own son. 
and he would suffer the consequences for his belief. Check this out. Those who believed in God were safe, were saved. Here's what God does. He looks at you and he says this. I offer to anyone who would believe in me salvation. Anyone is welcome salvation. Pharaoh could have been spared. Even Pharaoh, even though he was evil, even though he had done wrong, he could have been spared his fate if he had turned, if he had repented, but he refused. The Egyptians could have been spared if they had believed and stopped praying to false gods and stopped believing false things and had prayed to Yahweh, prayed to God Almighty. Here's why we should be encouraged. If you're a Christian today and you have believed in Jesus Christ and you say, I believe that Jesus is God and you have seen that you have sinned in your life, which all of us have. You've seen, I am not worthy. I have messed up in my life. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve, I've messed up, but I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin. In the moment that you ask forgiveness and in the moment that you believe, God says you are forgiven You are welcomed into the city of God where you are protected from your sin, where you are actually cleansed from your sin, where Jesus actually died for your sin, where he suffered for your sin, and it is removed from you. And the Bible says that one day you will dwell in heaven. Guys, heaven is wonderful. Heaven is a city much like that settlement that we talked about where not only are you protected from those plagues that we talked about, where you will never be sick, where you will never be in darkness, where you will never go weary or tired or die or have any sort of hardship, but on top of that, the presence of God will be there. You will never be lonely again. Never will you experience anxiety or depression again. Never again will you have a moment of doubt or fear that creeps into your heart. Those those emotional feelings that we have will be gone and cast out where we don't even remember them. Literally cast from our minds. And we have the presence of God Almighty. We have the, the peace that rests in our chest. We all have this desire to be loved. And when we rest in heaven, that will be recognized fully. Every human being wants needs to be loved. It is something that is placed in us, a desire that is deep within our hearts, whether we acknowledge it or not. We want to be loved. We need it. When we get to heaven, that need will be recognized in full. And it can only be found in God. If you look to other people or other things, you will not be filled. If you turn to other gods, if you will, you will not be satisfied. And you pray to them and you cry out to them. You will never be filled. Ladies, if you look to a guy or a gentleman, if you look to a girl to fill you, you will be left empty if that is the God that you look to to fill you up. But if you look to God Almighty, He will fill you and satisfy you. He will not leave you broken and wanting. Trust in Him to fill you up. And He will sustain you. Trust in Jesus Christ. He is the one true God who can and will sustain you and who will save us, and He is the only God. And always remember this. While the Egyptians believed in a God of the wind and a 
a God of the river and a God of the sun, there is one God, and he is God of all. He has power over all of those things, over every darkness, over every light. He has power over it all. And he is the same God who looks at you and says, I made you, and I loved you, and I died for you. Trust in me. That God of power looks at you and says, I died for you, and I love you. Trust in me. Never forget him. And always trust in him. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for the gift of life. And I pray that we trust in you each and every day. Might we remember that you are the one true God. And might we, Lord, worship your name and trust in you as our salvation and no other place. Might we pray to no other gods. Might we not look within ourselves or look to any other source for salvation, for relief, for hope, but you. You are our one source. We love you, God. So in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.